Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today turns focus back to fixed income as my guests will share their thoughts on the state of credit markets in a rising rate environment, how to think about positioning within the broader asset class, and more. So joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Alina Gallant, Senior Credit Strategist Americas, as well as Leslie Falconio, Head of Tax fixed income strategy americas both with the ubs chief investment office so alina leslie welcome back great to be with you both as always and looking forward to the conversation thank you dan thank you so much for having us Absolutely. So, Alina, I know the June FOMC meeting, it did deliver a 75 basis points hike to the federal funds rate, which has resulted in a notable uptick in Treasury yields. Now, in the latest fixed income strategist, Alina, I know you write about the implications of these moves to credit markets, namely high yields. So what are some takeaways, Alina, you can share with us? Sure, Dan. We focused this month's fixed income strategist on the high yield segment because it really carries a higher debt load and tends to be more economically sensitive than investment grade. And so what we found is that while typically higher rates are accompanied by strong economic growth, in the current environment, the rising rates may actually be a burden to cash flows, especially for the lower quality segments of high yield. You know, it's interesting. When you look at the high yield index overall, We came into this year with very strong fundamentals. Net leverage is around 3.6 times on the high yield index. This is below the 2019 levels. And coverage is over five and a half times, which is actually at the highs since 2011. But of course, we all know that there are a number of headwinds. So let me touch upon those a little bit. Um, First, the yield with which the index is trading now is close to 300 basis points higher than the coupon on the index. So what does that mean? Well, that really means that if an average company needs to refinance its debt, it will have to incur a new coupon or interest expense that is at least 300 basis points greater than its current coupon. And that will eat into the company's cash flows. Secondly, The dollar prices on the bonds in the index are now trade at very low levels. And so companies that want to issue new debt at have to pay an even higher coupon to offset the dollar price difference. And of course, finally, there's economic growth uncertainty that we all know about, along with rising costs, and that could hinder margins as well. So when we put all of these things together, what we found is that the index overall should be able to withstand the higher interest expense. And that's mainly because of how strong the fundamentals are where we started now. But if you look at the lower quality credits, if you look at lower quality single B names or triple C names, for example, those names already have interest coverage of close to or even less than three times. And so when you add the additional interest expense on top of that, those companies could really feel their balance sheets get stressed. And so that's where the problems arise within high yield. So we anticipate that these tightening conditions will increase defaults for the lower rated companies and are likely to increase overall spreads in the high yield index. 
Alina, thank you. That was very helpful context. So as we look forward with that all in mind, Leslie, what is CIO's expectation for further rate moves by the Fed here in 2022? And how does that translate perhaps to your year-end rate forecast? Well, I mean, we're thinking about on average probably about a three and a quarter for Fed funds at the end of the year. I mean, the 75 basis points rate hike was a bit of a surprise to the market, and it came fairly quickly. And that's one of the reasons why we saw the 10-year Treasury yield sort of move up to that 3.5% fairly quickly on this knee-jerk reaction and come down. And now we're, like, trending around that 308 level. And, you know, our, our expectation is that, you know, the, the economy slows in the second half of the year, and we're probably going to see your 10-year yields around that 3 and a quarter level, um, but, you know, more than likely to turn lower you know, either, you know, around that first quarter of 23, as we do have these headwinds from, from rising rates. And, you know, let's not forget, we, the market is expecting or putting in a very high probability. And we had some context from some Fed, um, you know, rhetoric this week from, from Bowman and Waller that more than likely will do 75 basis points in July. And that'll bring, you know, the Fed funds rate at around two and a quarter to two and a half. Remember, two and a half was their neutral rate. So we are seeing some of these headwinds in terms of sentiment when it comes to how quickly and how much they push forward these rate hikes. I mean, obviously, it takes time when they hike and for it to get into the economy. But psychologically, the market is sort of seeing this and, and recognizing that 75 basis points, which was really something that you know they sort of put off the table back in last month's meeting, is now back on. And we're having this sort of, is the economy going to slow more than we would like kind of shift. And what's interesting is that when you look at sort of like the Fed funds futures, like further out, you know, the peak um, you know, right now is about, you know, a 3.5 in, in March. And that's actually below the Fed's own proje- projection of three and, um, and three quarters. And that is, that's a big shift. I mean, for a very long time, the market was much higher than the Fed, right? Because the market was telling the Fed, you're behind the curve. Inflation is not necessarily transitory. But now this has shifted. Now that the Fed is actually higher than what the market is, gonna, is saying it should be or it will go to, simply because we've seen some softer than expected data, like the flash PMIs, you know, we see a little bit weakness in the labor market. Obviously, oil, which has been a headwind, is now corrected a bit, but we're not sure exactly how long it's going to last for. So we've got we have sort of this sort of you know push me pull me within the marketplace right now, and the market is actually a little bit more dovish than the Fed. So I do think that going forward, we're going to say around a three and a quarter for year end for a short term sort of um, range, two seventy five to three percent. I recognize that's wide. But, we, but this is sort of the context of this, the markets that we're in today, because it's not just about the U.S., right? We have, you know, this global typing that's going on, whether it's a BOE, the ECB, all these kind of uh, variables are impacting U.S. interest rates. So I do think that this, although this gap 275 to three and a half may seem wide, volatility is still very high. The market is not really tremendously liquid right now. So we're going to leave that range for now with the assumption that we go at around a 325 at the end of the year. And we really don't think unless there is another shock to inflation, like a CPI, which comes out next month and the market is actually expecting, you know, a fairly strong number, 
that, you know, we go above this kind of three and a half. That, like I said, this is kind of the knee-jerk reaction. We think that's sort of the high of the year. But again, it's just really going to depend on how what the, what the path of inflation is over the next six months. Leslie, thank you for helping us to manage expectations as far as what the rate environment might look like in the second half of the year. So, Alina, it's worth noting that yields on high yield have risen substantially year-to-date from 4.3% to 8.5%, a big move. So what is the outlook? on the high yield market now and what do you recommend that investors that want to maintain exposure to high yield focus on? Yields and high yield are certainly higher now. When we look at the composition of that, about half of the yield rise year to date is coming from the moving treasuries and then the other half is coming from spreads widening out. So it's interesting. When we published the fixed income strategist uh, about two weeks ago now, we wrote that we believed that the high yield spreads needed to go wider. And that was based on our view that we discussed earlier, which is that lower quality credits are really likely to suffer from this much higher rates environment and the softening economy. So, of course, since we published the CIS, spreads have moved wider. And so they're about 90 basis points wider just over the past two weeks. We still think that spreads can continue to widen now, and that is particularly true, if, as Leslie mentioned, we keep getting more data of the economy slowing. So what do we recommend for investors? Well, the main thing is to move up in quality. The yield on the double B index is now around 7%. So we think that for investors that want to maintain exposure to high yields, that is probably the best place to keep uh, maintaining that exposure. We also recommend that investors need to shy away from the lower quality and riskier names because those are really the companies that are the most susceptible to the downturn. Those are the companies that are likely to feel the most impact to their cash flows and their balance sheets from the rising rates environment. Thank you, Alina. So sticking with positioning, though, looking a bit broader, Leslie, with respect to how you're recommending that fixed income investors position at this time, what's the allocation table look like per the latest fixed income strategist? Well, I, I mean, I think Alina just did a great job in terms of outlining why we're not, you know, moving aggressively towards high yield, even though the carry or the yield earned is some of the highest that we've seen in you know, decades. But and we recognize that. You know, however, even though we think spreads are, are going to widen, that's one of the reasons why we wouldn't say go underweight, only because the carry that you could lose is tremendous. So we keep it, we keep the neutral rate weighting in the high yield side, um, and, we, and, and as I mentioned, we do expect spreads to widen there. Now, one of the things that we are, in terms of our positioning that we just recently added, was an overweight to agency mortgage-backed securities. And, you know, we have this whole theme, and it is our expectation, that, you know, the economy does slow in the second half. I mean, we, you know, we do expect ISM to slow. We do expect, you know, these the cost of borrowing that's been, that, you know, continues to be faced by the consumer and will be faced by the consumer going forward will bring some headwinds in terms of, you know, spending habits and, you know, really start to, you know, roll into these GDPs with numbers, which we know have been revised lower. So because of that, we are starting to have this sort of up in quality kind of allocation um, as the credit cycle matures. Now, the agency MBS market because interest rates rose so fast in such a short period of time, as we know, that sector does not bode well under that kind of volatility, so spreads widen. When you add to that 
the rising mortgage rates, when you add to that the uh, quantitative tightening and the Fed, you know, slowly allowing you know, MBS to roll off their balance sheet, it really had an impact on spreads. So we have, you know, at this point, because spreads are the widest that we've seen in, again, a decade, when you take out the March 2020 shock, um, it really is a not only a great relative value play, but it is one of up in quality. I mean, they see MBS or AAA. You know, they don't have that credit component like high yield might have. So it's, the theme in this portfolio has really been sort of the up in quality. We know we, we also have the one, the short end IG corporates, which is also part of that up in quality play, but doesn't have that duration um, in terms of having the headwind of, you know, uh, uh, principal decline because, you know, we had gotten in at a fairly decent level. Two-year yields are higher than when we had gotten in, but the carry that you're earning on that sector is above what you've lost in price with the rise in yields, right, over, over, over a one-year period. So that's why we kind of like the IG sector. And our credit component really is more on the preferred side. And, you know, one of the reasons that we had gotten into the preferred side, I'll be it a little early, you know, was because preferreds has actually underperformed, you know, uh, initially more – more than IG, more than high yield. Now high yield and IG, especially, especially high yield is starting to catch up. But, you know, preferreds had underperformed um, a bit early on because, again, uh, you know, akin to agency MBS, high volatility, rising rates when the velocity is very large. It's not a, very, a great environment for preferreds, and they do have a tendency to have fund outflow. So we keep the preferred within the sector as part of our credit component, you know, in between sort of that IG high yield, and that's how we're going to earn our carries. And we have also part of that duration. So we have a bit of this barbell approach, but overall, you know, what we're anticipating is that, you know, going forward, you know, not a catalyst, you know, this isn't, we don't expect a catalyst, but we do expect the economy to slow, and it, we do expect, you know, the trend to continue to be a little bit more up in quality as, you know, we can continue to sort of, you know, go through the cycle. Well, Leslie and Alina, thank you both for dropping by top of the morning today to share with our clients, our listeners, CIOs, current thinking on fixed income markets and for sharing your guidance with respect to positioning within the asset class. A lot here to monitor, to follow up on. So looking forward to keeping in touch with you both and having follow-up conversations in the second half. Thank you so much for having us. And again, today we've been joined by Alina Galan, Senior Credit Strategist Americas, as well as Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy Americas, both from the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can, of course, all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the publication which both Alina and Leslie have been making reference to today. The latest fixed income strategist title is High Yield Insights. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the piece directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.